0: Welcome to the HCC podcast. Our mission is to nurture love for God, love for self, and love for others as the highest goal of humanity. May the following message nurture that love in your life. And remember, you're always welcome at HCC. It's a perfect church for less than perfect people. Peace. I want to pray that God will do something this morning. So let me do that for you. God, we're, we're not here for entertainment. We're not here to organize a company around a particular profit margin or product. We are here for something to happen in our soul. It's very different than at any other time. We want something to happen more than just interesting Something to happen more than just entertaining. Something to happen more than just curious. We want something essential to happen to us. Something awesome. Something real. Speak to our condition, Lord. And change us. Somewhere inside of us where it matters, a change that will burn inside of us, a change that will stimulate trembling, a change that will bring healing, a change that will explode into tears or laughter or love or throbs or screams or maybe just an intense silence. And may that change move us to have the courage to dare the deeds of a dangerous faith that is willing to step out even counterculturally let something happen in us here that makes us more like jesus amen and amen let's take a look at matthew chapter 20 starting with verse 1 for the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early one morning to hire workers for his vineyard he agreed to pay the normal daily wage and sent them out to work at nine o'clock in the morning he was passing through the marketplace and saw some people standing around doing nothing so he hired them telling them he would pay them whatever was right at the end of the day so they went to work in the vineyard at noon again and at three o'clock he did the same thing at five o'clock that afternoon he was in town again and saw some more people standing around and he asked them why haven't you been working today and they replied because no one hired us The landowner told them, then go out and join the others in my vineyard. That evening, he told the foreman to call the workers in and pay them, beginning with the last workers first. When those hired at five o'clock were paid, each received a a full day's wage. When those hired first came to get their pay, they assumed they would receive more, but they too were paid a day's wage. When they received their pay, they protested to the owner. Those people only worked one hour, and yet you've paid them just as much as you paid us, who worked all day in the scorching heat. He answered them, friend, I haven't been unfair. Didn't you agree to work all day for the usual wage? Take your money and go. I wanted to pay this last worker the same as you. Is it is it against the law for me to do what I want with my money should you be jealous because I'm kind to others <laughs> I love this story this is such a fantastic story because it it it's for a minister and also for a, a westerner an American it goes against every grain in me and it really is sandpaper to my cultural awareness and my cultural understanding So before I jump into chunking this passage out and taking it point by point and principle by principle, I want to look at two other verses that are critical to interpreting or understanding this passage of Scripture. Because when you look at Scripture, context is very important. So let's take a look at the parentheses or the bookends of this particular passage. We're looking at Matthew chapter 19, verse 30. Listen to what it says. But many who are the greatest now will be the least important then. And those who seem least important now will be the greatest then. Now let's look at the other bookend, chapter 20, verse 16. So those who are last now will be first then. And those who are first will be last. Now typically we run over that and we just imagine certain things or we put it into our own little filter and we just kind of move on because it's a little bit difficult to understand. But what the writer is doing here, what Matthew is doing, he's using a technique that many biblical writers use. In fact, in the Psalms it's very, very prevalent. It's called, theologically or from biblical scholars, it's called an inclusio. And that just simply means that it starts with a statement and it ends with a statement the same or very similar. So the idea is that everything in the middle needs to be interpreted by the two bookends on the, on the ends, on the front and the end. So it starts and it ends with some similar sentences, but in the middle there's this elaboration of what's, what those two sentences or two verses are trying to get across. And remember that I've taught you over the years that the Bible wasn't written with chapters and verses. And some of you might say, what? John three sixteen? John 3, has always been John 3, 16. Well, no, it actually hasn't. It was written in a very narrative form. It was written without chapters and verses. And so that it just flowed. There wasn't any breakup of verses or chapters. Now, that's very useful to us. I like chapters and verses. I think it's very helpful. There's nothing wrong with that. But the reality is, is that this particular chapter, chapter 20, starting with verse 1, needs chapter 19, verse 30. And we can't just stop at 15 Because it looks like in our Bible that it might break there. But 16 is very important as well. So we need to recognize that this story flows from one chapter into the other chapter. And in order to understand Matthew 20, 1 through 15, we've got to have 19.30 and 20.16 as well. So what these two bookend verses tell us to look for in this whole compendium of teaching is this that we cannot expect the grace economy of god's kingdom to operate the same as the merit economy of the world's kingdom you need to get that contrast we cannot expect the grace economy of god's kingdom to operate in the same way as the merit economy of the world's kingdom. Now, how do you get ahead? And that's a typical word that we use in our in our world. How do we get ahead? I'm not getting ahead. I really got ahead. How come they're getting ahead? And I'm not getting ahead. You know, we are talk about getting ahead. How do you get ahead in a grace economy? You don't, because all are equal. That's a little weird for us. It's a little bit anti-us. How do you get ahead in a grace economy if everything is equal? How do you get ahead in a merit economy? We all know that very well. Competition. You earn it, right? Merit makes sense to us in the world's kingdom. Now, put yourself in the position of the all-day laborers. Would you feel a little bit cheated? Think about that. <laughs> Think about that. If, you know, if, if at the end of the year you know let's say let's say you were paid annually and say December 20th before you went on Christmas break or whatever you know they brought all the employees in and they're giving out the annual salaries in one big lump sum and they give you your salary for the year and then they turn around and they give the guy that was just hired a week ago the same salary for the year yeah you're you're not happy you are not happy I mean, I'm thinking about these guys that worked a 12-hour day, which was typical. 12, 14 hours during harvest time, it was typical, and and they got paid the same as the guy that worked an hour. This is like, how dare they get paid the same as me? That ain't fair. Anybody feeling that? You know, you're feeling it. I worked longer in the hottest and the hardest time of day, and they get paid like I get paid? Yeah, guess what's going to happen tomorrow? (laughs) Tomorrow, I'm sleeping in, and you can come hire me the last hour of the day. Yeah, because that's how I want it to work. Isn't that interesting? How you're already thinking how can I scam this how can I work this how can I get the biggest pay for the least amount of work? we're already doing that this is why Jesus is telling us these stories because he knows that our world is raising us in a certain way you and I have been raised by the world not wolves the world you and I have been raised by the world in a merit-based culture we are immersed in it, we are saturated in it, we are full of it. It is what I would call, we are inculcated with it. We are so full of it, the merit-based economy. And that's how the world raised us, and we think it's good and right and the best. And I've got stuff to say about that that'll, that'll help you feel better about me in just a few minutes. But, but right now, Jesus is attempting to reparent us. The kingdom of God is about transformation. The kingdom of God is being reparented. We just don't bring into the kingdom of God all the principles of the world and think that they're going to work in the kingdom of God. It's an entirely different economy. It's the opposite often of the world's kingdom. Remember last week's lesson when Jesus exposed our own sinful interest to evaluate, measure, analyze, and then judge people's value according to a standard? Guess what the standard was? Us. We judge and evaluate other people's value based on our own standard. If they're like us, then we value them. If they're not like us, then we devalue them. This guy is good, that guy is bad, she's an idiot, they're brilliant, I can't stand that person, I love that person. What what is the measure? It's ourselves. We measure it against ourselves. If they like us and we like them and we're good, you know, then everything is good. We were taught by Jesus last week that only God has the pay grade to make value judgments about people. If if a title like idiot or jerk is going to be applied to someone, only God has the pay grade to do it. Only God can judge if someone is good or bad. Our work is to lead with forgiveness of people regardless. This is how God treated us so it's how we treat ourselves and others this is the golden rule how you want to be judged is how you judge and in god's economy of universal grace that god judges based upon christ's work grace for anyone coming to repent it, it, he leads with forgiveness we give grace like we've been given grace Imagine that, living in the same way, living with the disposition of grace like God had towards us. Remember last week that the guy owed billions of dollars to the, to the king, to the, to the person he was in debt to, and that person forgave them those billions of dollars of debt, and then he was choking out the guy that owed him a couple hundred bucks? You know, Jesus said, this is completely insane. How dare you, how dare you judge and value other people when God has valued you enough to be worth the blood of Jesus he spent the blood of Jesus on you yet you hold bitterness and resentment and rage and anger and all kinds of value judgments against another you call other people names and yet God has called you beloved how how, how is that possible How, how do you even rationalize that we give grace like we've been given grace now listen carefully in no way, this is really important, in no way does this mean that we do not evaluate the value of philosophies, thoughts, policies, laws, platforms, or opinions. We do. So we judge the value of philosophies, thoughts, policies, laws, platforms, opinions, but not people. We judge the value of those impersonal things, but we don't judge the person. Personal value judgment is above our pay grade, so what is personal judgment? Imagine someone cuts you off on the beltway. Hard to imagine, right? Imagine someone cuts you off on the beltway or enacts a policy that you don't like. You stupid, blankety, blank, idiot, goofball. And probably lots of other words that Pastor Steve would get in trouble for saying. You know you've said it. You said it to me i watched you i cut you off and you i know i can read lips or maybe you saw me saying it i'm not sure you know we yell these things at other drivers people on tv we post stuff like this on social media and we condemn people in our minds ever condemn somebody in your mind You're having a really lovely conversation. They think you like them, and you are hating their guts up here. (laughs) Yeah, the only way I know you do that is because I've done it, okay? (laughs) So don't think I'm pointing at you without three fingers pointing back at me. This response is the way the world would raise us. We reserve the right to judge others as little God. We put ourselves in a position as little gods who take the position of judging the personal value of others by the standard of ourselves. Jesus wants to re-raise us in a grace economy where we leave personal value judgment to God. Yet, we, we, we become skilled at impersonal value judgment. Let's contrast that, personal judgment and impersonal value judgment. What is impersonal value judgment? Imagine someone cuts you off on the beltway or enacts a policy you don't like. That was dangerous. His driving scared me. I disagree with that policy. I can't support that law. I'm gonna raise a petition against that platform. Qualitatively different, isn't it? Very, very different. This response is the way Jesus raises us to respond. In God's kingdom, we lead with forgiveness. Jesus taught us that on the cross. Father, forgive them. They they know not what they do. Leaving condemnation, leaving personal condemnation, condemnations of people to God. Our pay grade only reaches the level of forgiveness alone. That's our pay grade we forgive because we've been forgiven that's our pay grade yet we work hard to make earth look like heaven regarding our own personhood and regarding our earthly policies our earthly neighborhoods our earthly systems we that we have influence in. we work hard to shape culture without all kinds of name-calling and vitriol and ugliness and hatefulness and personal devaluing we work hard to shape culture through influence policy change and platform change and engagement and and all of those things our passage in matthew 20 provides a contrast between the kingdoms the worldly kingdom we live in values being great not least and being first not last who do you know that says oh hey listen pick me last I want on the kickball team, pick me last, pick me last, pick me last. Who's saying that? Nobody's saying that. No, no, nobody's saying, pay me less. Hey, hey, me, 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 pay me less. No, nobody's doing that. It is completely anti coward culture. We don't think like that in any way. The worldly kingdom that we live in values intensely being great, not least being first and not last. How many of you want your team to be last? yet the kingdom that we're of that's the kingdom we're in the kingdom that we're of god's kingdom the least is great and the last is first that just (laughs) completely goes in the opposite direction of the way that i want to go as a competitor as an as a team player as a sports advocate as you know a person that loves competition fuels on competition that's so not me it it's It's right side up in a in an upside down world it's it's me upside down and and looking to be right side up here in matthew 20 jesus is again attempting to turn an upside down world right side up and every one of us i get it right now you're feeling a lot of tension you're feeling like i don't know if i agree with this i don't like that that's not true that can't be true jesus is like me We're constantly saying those kinds of things. Here, Jesus is attempting to turn our upside-down world right-side up, and it means that we're typically the opposite of what the world raises us to be. Listen to this early American Puritan prayer. Now, think of the pilgrims coming over. Think of an early American establishing the colonies, and this is that prayer of an early American, and this is their motivation. Listen to this. Lord, high and holy, meek and lowly you have brought me to the valley of vision where I live in the depths but I see you in the heights hemmed in by mountains of sin I behold your grace let me learn by paradox that the way down is the way up that to be low is to be high that to be brokenhearted is to be healed hearted that the contrite spirit is the rejoicing spirit that the repenting soul is the victorious soul, that to possess nothing is to possess all, that to bear the cross is to wear the crown, that to give is to receive, that the valley is the place where I see you most clearly. Lord, lift up my eyes to the heights. Let me find your light in my darkness, your life in my death, your joy in my sorrow, your grace in my sin, your riches in my poverty, your vision in my valley. Wow! What CEO is praying that prayer? What boss of yours is praying that prayer? What of you? What of me? Who is praying that prayer? That's the early American mindset. It's incredible how different than we normally think. This is why Paul calls Christians to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We must be re-raised by our Heavenly Father to be Of his kingdom, in the world, but of his kingdom, which is so very different than the world's kingdom. Our passage today invites all who follow Jesus to operate on grace, not merit. Now, this is very important. You that are falling asleep, nudge your neighbor. Wake them up, because this is very important. Because they're going to wake up and say, yeah, I never agree with that guy. That's terrible. Listen carefully. Don't get me wrong. Jesus is not opposed to earthly merit increases or bonus pay. Jesus is not telling you, don't take the merit increase. Jesus is not telling you, that quarterly bonus, reject it. This is not what Jesus is telling you. However, Jesus is opposed to the expectation of or the entitlement mindset of merit in earthly or heavenly systems now think in terms of a cola you know what a cola is it's a cost of living adjustment contrast that with a merit bonus everybody knows what that is the government says hey we're going to give you 1.2 percent thanks for the 68 cents government this is fantastic you know we're excited about that everybody gets 68 cents increase in pay okay everybody everybody gets it doesn't matter what's going on everybody gets it in a cola everybody gets the same pay increase the merit bonus is at the discretion of the owner or the boss when we gripe about the discretion of the owner or the boss we assume the position of the boss i can't believe they told me what they got in a bonus i worked harder than them they're a loser. I'm a winner. What happened? I can't believe it. that boss is insane. He's a fool. He's an idiot. You know, We're putting ourselves in that position. We all get the same cola, but that guy got more than me. I'm now I'm mad. I'm angry. I'm entitled to that. I should be better than him. We're, we're immediately comparing and judging and all those types of things. We're taking the position of the boss. I decide. I decide. You should give me what I think I need or what I get what I deserve, you should give me that, because I'm right, my standard is correct. Jesus is opposed to merit, expectations, or entitlement in earthly terms. Now think in terms of salvation, contrasted with blessings, this is interesting. In salvation, everyone gets the same saving grace, right? I mean, is Tommy more saved than Steve? Last night, somebody said yes, and that was, that person was ejected. They didn't rise to my standard of appreciation, so I got, you know, so none of us in here would argue and say, oh yeah, I'm definitely more saved than you are. Oh yeah, I'm definitely, the Lord loves me more than he loves you. Is anybody saying anything like that? I mean, nobody's saying something like that. And in salvation, everyone gets the same saving grace. The blessing grace, however, is at the discretion of God the owner when we gripe about the discretion of god to bless someone differently than ourselves we assume the position of god jesus is opposed to merit expectation or entitlement in heavenly realms hey why god you this guy got a promotion i didn't that all makes make sense i taught these middle schoolers for two years and you give him that I work in middle school ministry, and he just sings on the chancel. And he got a promotion, and I didn't. He gets the easy job, I get the hard job, and now he's getting a promotion, and I'm not. I lost mine, he got his. That's not right. It is so easy to get caught up in the evil vortex of blessing comparison. Hey, why did God bless that person with healing or this job or this wife or this child or this house or this advancement or 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 this benefit or whatever and not me i deserve what they got or i don't deserve what i got see how the world raises us and when we try to bring that into the kingdom of god and operate on the same merit economy it doesn't work that way and jesus is helping us understand how the kingdom of god works the kingdom of god is like and he tells us He even does it with Peter in John chapter 20. I love this story. It's a fantastic story. If you haven't read it, read it. But Peter and Jesus are walking along. And Jesus is talking to Peter about the suffering he's going to have when he dies. Would you ever love to have that conversation with Jesus? You're walking along. He's got his arm around you going, yeah, you're going to die a terrible death. You know, know, and he starts telling you all the details of how it's going to happen and all the pain and suffering that you're going to go through. And you can just see Peter like what really you know those kind of things and then jesus kind of you know gets distracted walks off over here and peter's just standing there like what the? and then he kind of turns around and he sees john following behind and then he goes over and taps jesus on the shoulder to help himself feel better hey what about him what's going to happen to him and jesus is i mean obviously he wants jesus to oh it's much worse than yours and then he can say, okay, good, I feel better. How many of us do that? <laughs> we say, oh, well, at least I don't have it as bad as them, and, you know, or they have it worse than me, and somehow we feel better. Or we go around soliciting stories of woe and tragedy because we want to feel better about where we are. You know, we do like Peter. We say, hey, what about that guy? How does Jesus respond? It's amazing. Jesus said, what? What do you care? You... Uh, I'll deal with him. You follow me. <laughs> Peter wants an explanation. He he your kids come to you. One, one sibling comes to you and say, Hey, how come I got the spanking and they didn't? How come I got in timeout and they didn't? We were in cahoots together. And the father says, What is that to you? You, I'm spanking you. I'm not spanking them. What is that to you? That's not fair. We immediately run there. We immediately go there. Jesus is bringing us into this sense where Peter is even saying, "What about him?" He's like, "What do you? Hey, what? Like, sh- shut up! What do you? What do you care? Don't don't start telling me I've got to do for them like I do for you, and I got to you know. It's different." What about Matthew 19.30? What about Matthew 20.16? Jesus is teaching us that all are equal in grace, just like all are equal in sin. All grace, the general grace of salvation, and the specific grace of blessing beyond salvation is at the discretion of the owner. At the discretion of God, not us. God doesn't come to us and say, hey, uh, so, uh, what do you think Jimmy deserves? Do you think he needs a blessing? Should I take a blessing away from him? You know, what should I do? That's, that's not the case. That doesn't happen. How dare you? How dare me question God's discretion? It's his grace. It's his blessings. He can do with it what he wants. Verse 11 and 20. When they received their pay, they protested to the owner. Those people only worked an hour, and yet you paid them just as much as you paid us who worked all day in the scorching hate. He answered one of them, friend, I haven't been unfair. Didn't you agree to work all day for the usual wage? Take your money and go. I wanted to pay this last worker the same as I paid you. Is it against the law for me to do what I want with my money? Should you be jealous because I'm kind to others? Think about that in your own world. When you walk into work, should you be jealous of God's kindness to others? I mean, same grace for salvation, but maybe different blessing grace at different times and different ways. If you're a Romans 828 person and you believe that God is working all things together for the good, then you really believe that whether it's their good and not your good at the moment, God is still working all things together for the good. No matter how you assume or assess good, like how God, you did good to them and you did good to them and you're not doing good to me. So you're bad, God. You're unfair. You're unjust. We're angry. We're bitter. We're resentful for our life stage or where we are. I should be further along in my career. I should have more retirement. That person shouldn't have done to me that way. I got this raw into the stick and that raw end of the stick. What's going on, God? I don't get it. Why them, not me? How come me, not them? We're, we're in this consistent battle of comparison. Consider the thief on the cross. Oh, man. The thief on the cross. Wow. Did he really deserve grace? I mean, we've been living our whole life for Jesus. We've been working hard. We've been serving fourth grade boys and middle school kids and you know, we've been serving, giving, and sacrificing, and, oh, come on, God. You're really going to let that guy off the hook? Look at his life. Look at what he did. Look at how he's lived. you got to be kidding me. That's not fair. We put that into account. We, 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 we posh ourselves that way all the time, and Jesus is just bringing it out. He's showing it. That it came out in Peter. He's talking about it in this story. He's building this whole thing, in these bookends, and I'd say that thief on the cross was a little late to the party. God saying, he was right on time. Right on time. Judging who deserves what in God's kingdom is way, way, way above your pay grade and my pay grade. When Peter heard Jesus respond to the rich man in chapter 19, go back and read it. It's an amazing story. Jesus responds to the rich young ruler. He doesn't give everything up. He doesn't sacrifice anything. He walks away with all his possessions and denies Jesus. And then Peter turns around and goes, whoa, wait a second. Jesus said if you give up everything, you can have the entire kingdom of God. He told that rich guy that, hey, Jesus. He didn't give up nothing I know he don't get nothing so what about me I gave up everything to follow you we gave up everything to follow you what about us what are we gonna get that's how Peter postured himself in chapter 19 this is why Jesus is telling the story in Matthew 20 to try to get at this raised by the world like us Peter was representing a merit-based economy. Well, I'm such a good, and I'm such a kind, and I'm such a holy, and I'm such a faithful, and I'm such a sacrificing person. Surely God will bless me more than that scoundrel over there who I think is a lowlife. Imagining that you or I are entitled or can earn blessings from God is a dangerous theology. Jesus replies to Peter's question of merit, that anyone who follows jesus will receive the grace god decides to give and it will be far more than you deserve is anybody in here going to stand before god and say yeah well of course you saved me of course i get to get in Duh! look at me is anybody going to walk up to god with that kind of arrogance or that kind of feeling is anybody going to walk over to somebody, I'm going to walk over to Ralph and say, well, of course, Ralph, God didn't give you a new car. He gave me a new car. I mean, look at me. I mean, it's a, it's a terrible, it's a, it's a completely inappropriate way to go about. Imagining that we deserve more grace from God is attempting to live in God's kingdom while remaining of the world's kingdom. We need our minds renewed. Here's a question for you. Here's the question for me. Are you, am I like Peter? always bemoaning what you have or you don't have are you or am i like the murmuring workers in the story always comparing always assessing always feeling entitled always getting the short end of the stick always wondering where god is things aren't fair over and over and over again listen to jesus gently rebuke you and gently rebuke me like he did peter lord How come that person was promoted, healed, prospered, blessed, and I wasn't? It's not fair. And Jesus will respond to you and me like he did Peter. What is that to you? What is that to you? Trust me. Trust my judgment. I am working all things together for those that love me according to their purposes. I am doing this. I do what I want with my grace and my blessing. You just follow me wherever I lead. So would you stand with me? I want to invite you right now to just begin taking a deep breath and asking yourself, is any of this message for me? (laughs) That's kind of a trick question. Because immediately when you start going, oh, I hope so-and-so heard this message. <laughs> you know this message is for you. <laughs> so I really want to encourage you to, to wonder about that. You know, I mean, is, is Jesus talking to me or is he talking to all those other people that are far less spiritual than I am? You know he's talking to you. So I want to ask you, I want to ask you and, and wonder with you, First of all, have you truly opened yourself to the general universal grace of God to be saved by Jesus, as saved as I am, as saved as anyone uh, anyone else has ever been saved? Have you responded to that grace? Have you received the grace of God through Jesus Christ that is equal for everyone? Because everyone is equally in sin. Everyone is equally dead. Can anyone be more dead than anyone else? You can't. So all of us are dead in sin, and all of us need the life of Jesus to resurrect us from dead, from being dead to being alive in Christ. And so that's what you need, and it's what I need. Have you accepted that grace? And then beyond that, have you accepted the reality that God is indeed working all things together? For those that love him and are called according to his purposes he is literally working it together and can you repent and drop all your comparison all your evaluations all your judging of other people all your assessing of other people all your analyzing and balancing and trying to balance the ledger and the balance and, and get everything fair because you deserve can you just drop that that takes repentance if you're going to come to God with open hands, often you got to drop something before you can receive. So you've got to drop judgment. you got to drop attachment. you got to drop all these possessive things and open yourself to receive the deep love of God. I'm going to pray with you, and we're going to go right into this song. So if I'm going to pray, and if you own any of this stuff that I'm praying about, just receive it right now, and then we're going to go right into singing this song. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, we are coming before you just needing to repent, needing to let go of all the world's attachments. We need to let go of all of evaluation and judging and all that of our personal worth and value, saying, you must not love me, God, like you love them. We need to drop all of that. We need to drop all this condemnation of other people because they're not like us and, and saying they're bad and we're good and, Lord, all that's above our pay grade. Holy Spirit, help us repent of all of that and help us begin to live freely and lightly like you invited us. You said your yoke is not hard, it's not heavy. You you said, follow me. I'll teach you the unforced rhythms of life where you'll live lightly and freely. Oh Lord, we have to give up all this judgment, all this evaluation, all this assessment and we need to just simply trust you with our lives. Will you do that for us, Lord? Will you help us to repent and drop these things?